0: Philippians chapter 1, verse number 9. I'll read quickly so you can be seated. <clears throat> the apostle writes and he says, In this I pray. Elbow somebody and say, This is the apostle's prayer. <clears throat> so it must be important. Like Paul, Paul wasn't just flapping his lips. He says, This is what I pray for you. I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. He said, I pray that your love would abound more and more. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 1 says this. Follow after charity, which is just another word for love. I don't know why the translators use two different English words for the same Greek word. But it says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. Thank Thank you for what we've felt so far, and I thank you for your word. God, your word's awesome. I pray that you will use your word tonight to empower us, strengthen us, and direct us. I pray, Father, that you will help me to speak everything that you want spoken tonight. Nothing more and nothing less. And let me just be an oracle of your word that you can speak to us. Open our our minds to understand, our hearts to receive, oh God, what you would say. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing for such a long period of time. We are commanded to grow. I'm sorry, I didn't wait for you to be seated because there's there's like an amen button that you set on. We are commanded to grow. Amen. We cannot stay stagnant or static. Uh, I believe that it was the founder of McDonald's that says, when you stop growing, you start dying. So we need to grow. The Apostle Paul tells us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So our knowledge of God should and can increase. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10.15 about when our faith is increased. So our level of faith should increase. But he also wrote in Philippians, and we read it already, he said that he prays that our love may abound more and more, that our level of love should abound. He said that we should in, in 1 Corinthians 14, we read it already, uh, but he said follow after charity or follow after pursue love. Now I know are a lot of kids that are going to go to teen camp in a couple of weeks and they think that's what they're doing. They're pursuing love. Are y'all all awake tonight or am I just... Okay. I guess they, if, you're, if you're looking for a date at church camp, you are looking for love in all the right places. So that would be good. That would be a good place to go. Teens... <clears throat> The best place to find love would be find somebody in the altar with, with, their t- with their face stained with tears and their hair all messed up because they've been passionately seeking after the face of God. Find somebody that's going to love God more than they love you. Amen. But he tells us that we should, that our love, he prays that our love would abound. The word abound means to This is great. In the Greek, the word abound means to superabound. In quantity or quality. To be in excess. uh, To exceed a fixed number of measure. Or to be left over and above a certain measure. To abound and to overflow. To furnish one so richly that he has abundance. And then he says that more and more. We We pray for an overflow of power. We pray for an overflow of anointing, but Paul prayed that the church would overflow with love. Yes. Now, we might not shout on this tonight, because we, we like to shout about the gifts of the Spirit. But we're kind of hesitant about the fruits. We ask for gifting. We asked for finances to abound, but Paul prayed for love to abound in the church. So tonight, I want to talk to us for a little while from this title, and I think we're going to have a little series on love, but I want to talk to us on this title, Check Your Love Level. All right, that's good. That's excellent. Yeah. Just look at somebody and so say, you need to check your love level. Now don't be making googly eyes back there because that's not what the word love means. We're not talking about romantic love. We're talking about agape love. The love that God gives. Love is the nature of God. John said, He that loveth loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Love is the greatest commandment because when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, hey, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all my, thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. To love is the first commandment. It's the chief and most important commandment. And it's the second commandment. To love. Now, before we go much further, I've got to tell you that love is not an emotion. Agape love is not an emotion. It's not some bubbly feeling that you feel on the inside. For the most part, love is an action. It's a choice. It's a it's an action that... God prompts us into. Love is the royal law, James said, fulfill the royal law that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, it's the primary fruit. For when the Apostle Paul listed them in Galatians, he said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. He lists love first. Love is greater than faith, and it's greater than hope. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he says, and now abideth faith... Hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity or love. So, love is important. We don't talk about it very much. We, we pass over it, but I want to dive into this idea of biblical love because we are commanded to pursue after love. He said, follow after charity. That word follow after, it means to run swiftly in order to catch something. To eagerly pursue and seek to acquire. In other words, we should be reaching for more love in our lives. That's, that, I'm, I'm reaching for somebody to love me. I'm reaching for more of the love of God to dwell in me Absolutely. that it can flow through me to others. Absolutely. I need... Oh, I wish you get a hold of this right now this is the whole point if we do two or three or four weeks this is the whole point we need to stretch ourselves for more of the love of God to operate in and through us we like that scripture it says uh, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus that word press it's the same word That I might apprehend that which I am apprehended of. He's telling us to press, but it's the same word as we are to pursue love. Mm. We need more love in our lives from the presence of God. So tonight, I want us to take inventory on ourselves. Where is our love level? And how can we increase it because it is not static? Uh, In the book of 1 Corinthians... Chapter number 12 is all about spiritual gifts and ministry. Paul talks about the need for spiritual gifts in the body and the necessity of each other in the body. He tells us to covet earnestly the best gifts. And how many will agree? We need the gifts of the Spirit to operate. But then in the next chapter, he starts by saying how these absolutely essential gifts of ministry. He starts by telling us how prophecy the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, how uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, all these gifts, these essential gifts to the church. He starts chapter 13 by telling us how those essential gifts are absolutely worthless without love. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if they want to put it on the screen, that'll be just fine. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. A lack of love will render my words, my counsel, my preaching, my teaching, my witness, my conversation, to be nothing more than a bunch of noise. Teaching Bible studies through any motivation, obligation, uh, so that I can fill out a report, If you teach a Bible study because you just feel like that's what you're supposed to do or because somebody asked you to do it or because that's what's expected, if you have any other motivation besides love or your motivation is without love, it's pointless to the hearer. We can witness on the job, share a testimony with strangers, beg people to come to church, but if we're not doing it out of love, it's profitless. God, fill me with love and then send me. Verse 2, he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith. Listen to what he says. He said, I could have understanding to know all mysteries. Brother Ron, that means I could pick up the book and understand everything in it, I could have all knowledge. I could could operate in the gift of prophecy. I could have all faith so that I could pray and mountains would remove. He said, if you don't have charity, you don't have nothing. So we can be spiritually gifted with powerful gift of faith, have faith to move mountains, seemingly get any prayer through, have scriptural insight, spiritual insight, have revelational understanding, but without love, we're nobody. Every ministry, no matter how gifted, is incomplete, actually worthless, without love. But with love. Okay, all right, all right. Verse 3 And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. It's possible that you could give of your possessions, even of your own body, your time, your efforts, your life, and not do so out of love. You can do this out of a sense of duty, you're out of obligation, or as a result of submission, but sacrifice without love is of no benefit to you. You could become a martyr, but if it wasn't out of love, he says you've wasted your time and your effort. We've got to be motivated by love. Reminds me of a story. These three guys were Hiking. And, and as guys tend to do, they, they started talking about their favorite sports team. Please don't cut me off yet. They started talking about, they started to argue, Brother Pat, about their favorite sports team. And uh, one of them was a <clears throat> Ohio State fan. And one was a Marshall fan. And one was a Mountaineer fan. And they got in this big argument as they were, they, were, they were walking up this mountain. They got in this big argument about who is the bigger fan. And the guy from Ohio State, he said, I will show you how big a fan I am. And he said, this is for all the Ohio State Buckeyes. And he jumped off the cliff to his death. <laughs> Martyred himself. He's trying to prove his love. And there's another guy, that the Mountaineer fan, says... Well, I'll show you how much I love the Mountaineer. This is for all the Mountaineer fans. And he shoves the Marshall fan off the cliff. Sacrifice that is not motivated by love and has a purpose is absolutely worthless. You can go tell your friends all that joke and whatever your, your persuasion is, you know whoever you're fans of, you can reword the joke. But, yeah, please no fan mail for hate mail from the Marshall people. We must be individuals of love in a church, that is abundant in love. You know, I I do want people to say, man, go to Glen Ferris Apostolic Church. They know how to pray, and and God moves there. I like that. But I would much rather that they say, those people are filled with love. That church loves people. I want us to be a church that loves people. that's right. Amen. You know, every church in town thinks they're the friendliest church in town. Every church in town thinks they're full of love. I want us to be truly a church that loves people. I want us to love people that don't look like us, don't act like us, don't, don't smell like us, don't dress like us, that don't live like us. I want us to love people. Amen. And so I want us to take some inventory tonight. What are the signs and the symptoms of abounding love? And the point tonight is not to shame or condemn or make us feel, man, uh, because some of this is going to hit this preacher right here. But I want us to, to take some inventory about the level of love that we're exhibiting in our life. And, and so, Paul, if we, if we must love, how do we know that we have love? What's it look like? He tells us in 1 Corinthians 13... Uh, starting at verse number four, he describes that charity suffereth long. We always read this, uh, and, and we don't take time to kind of pull out all the meanings here. But we're going on to for a little bit this evening. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Well, that was a lot of stuff, Brother Paul. I want to slow down and I want us to talk about what these attributes of godly love are. And so the first one, he says, charity suffereth long. It's long-suffering. If we are filled with the love of God, we are going to be long-suffering. That word means that we have self-restraint in the face of provocation. Let that sink in for a second. We have self-restraint when we're being provoked. It doesn't mean we're just patient, you know, when there's four people ahead of us in the line at Walmart. It means when someone has done something to us that could provoke us, we have restraint not to react. That's right. if, if this is agape love, then certainly there should be biblical examples of how God is long-suffering. And so, let me give you that biblical example. Psalm 711 says this, God judgeth the righteous, God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. God is mad at the wicked. That's what it says. But 2 Peter says this, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements shall, shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also will be, uh, and, the, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. God is going to take vengeance on the unrighteous. But it also says, He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has the ability to take vengeance right now. But He is long-suffering, giving us an Aren't you glad God's long Aren't you glad that the first time you messed up, He didn't send you a lightning bolt from the sky and buzz you, vaporize you? But God's long-suffering. If we have long-suffering, we give people the space to repent who may never do so. We're not out meeting our own justice or measuring out our revenge or uh, making things right. That's not our job. He said, vengeance is... Mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And whenever we try to even the score, we're stepping into God's role and we're usurping His authority. We need to have long-suffering. So, yeah, I, you know what, I could get back at him, But you know what? I think I'll just pull my hand away and let God fight my battles. Long-suffering gives people the space to repent who may never do so. He said it's, love is kind. Well, I'm nice. Elbow somebody real hard and tell them I'm nice. You can elbow them real hard. I'm, there we go. Okay, don't hurt each other up there, guys. The word kind here, it's different from being cordial. We were we were in, uh, when I was in college, there was a guy that lived on the same floor with us, and, uh, uh, he was a little different. And when you walk down the hall, you know Brother Tex, you say, hey, how are you today? What's the answer you're supposed to give? I'm fine. I'm good. Whatever. He didn't take it as that. He wanted to tell you about his day. One of my roommates said, he doesn't understand that that's not a question. It's just a greeting. (laughs) But if you truly have kindness, kind is asking someone how they are and really wanting to know the answer. Luke 6 and 35, here is God's demonstration of kindness. He says, love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be called the children of the highest. For he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Kindness is doing good to those that are unworthy, and it's doing good specifically to those who have not been good. Man, it's easy to be good to people who are good to you. In fact, that's fun. It just encourages them to be nicer to you. Am I right? Okay. That's that's great, man. I I like to be nice to nice people because they're nicer back. It's a lot harder to be nice to people who are not nice to you to start with and may not be nice to you afterwards. And he says, they're unthankful. They're not even going to thank you for being nice to start with. But he said, that is the attribute of godly love, is kindness. In fact, I think it's in the book of Matthew where he says, uh, be children of your Father because your heavenly Father, He is... He loves those that don't love him back. That is what we need to do. Be kind. So here's, here's, here's the problem with all this, Cassidy, is we can't will ourselves to just, I'm going to love that person. How many, how many, we we talked about this just a little bit uh, before service today. That, uh, you know, how many, let's have testimony service just a minute. How many has ever been done wrong? How many, now you don't have to put your hands up, just, how many has been done wrong and you have said, I'm praying for them, don't put your hands up, I'm praying for them, but you really wasn't over it. You're laughing because you're guilty. Now that's progress though, because when you're in the world, you would have just been mad at them and stayed mad at them. So at least if you're mad at them and you're praying for them, you're making progress. But Jesus said, pray for them and love them. That only comes from God. Agape love. God is love. He is the ultimate source of love. And if I'm going to love someone who is unlovable, I've got to allow him to do a spiritual work in me. The true definition of spiritual maturity is allowing God to love anybody he wants to through you without him having to get your permission to do it. And I can't do that on my own. It's not a matter of willpower, Sister Linda. It's a matter of God power. It's a matter of God transforming me from the inside out. Changing my my heart towards somebody. And sometimes He's got to crush some things in me. If I've got a root of bitterness, He's got to crush that. Pluck it out of there. He's got, to, he's got to do surgery on me. He's got to, there's going to be some messy stuff going on in my, in my soul that God's going to have to work on me so that I can love the way He wants me to. God, help us to love everyone. It is a spiritual indicator how much of the love of God is operating in me, am I praying for? Like, can I can I shake his hand and not feel any animosity? We got to skip ahead about three verses here. I didn't think I was going to go here today, but we'll skip ahead about three verses. Uh, I can't remember which verse it is. I'm sorry, Sister Judy. <clears throat> in the NIV, it reads, "Love." keeps no records of wrong done I remember what he did to me I still love him <laughs> I was I was I was blessed to be Acquainted with someone that years ago had uh, had had accused Sister Angie and I of, of doing something, and we didn't even remember doing this. But he was mad enough about it that apparently we did. You ever do something You ever you ever hurt somebody you didn't even know you did it? You, it which which obviously means you didn't mean to, right? If you don't even remember knowing it. But 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 man, am I okay here, honey? All right. So. We don't even remember this incident, right? But we apologized. And they said, Okay, it's it's forgotten. We won't ever bring it up again. It'll be fine. A year later, we were at dinner and they said, You remember that time that you actually no, I don't. I only remember your memory of it. I'm sorry. I re- but love keeps no record of wrong done right. if we love people they are, go- they are going to do us wrong they are going to hurt us they are going to say bad things about us yeah. all that stuff they are going to keep a record uh, but we have to wipe the record clean That's exactly right. keeps no record of wrong done I don't know if me telling that story helped people or if it just contradicted my whole message Cause I do remember it, but it's under the blood. I'm good. I really am good. We need to be kind. Somebody say Amen. amen. Kindness is doing to the going good to those that are unworthy. Uh, let me give you a couple more. There's so much, I got I got way more notes than you got. Listen tonight, but it's good stuff because it's mostly just scripture. Love envieth not, vaunteth not itself. That means love is not jealous of others and does not provoke jealousy in others. Love does not behave itself... I'm sorry, I want to read verse 5 to you if you'll put that on the screen. Does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. That is a lot to unpack. So let me read it to you in a couple other translations. Love is not rude... It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. Love is not selfish or quick-tempered. Love doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. And it doesn't fly off the handle. That's a good one. It does not dishonor others it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Let me, let me deal with a couple of those things. Love is not easily provoked. It doesn't fly off the handle. See, we could really have testimony service tonight. <laughs> but we're not going to. It's not easily provoked. And I love what the message says. It says, does not fly off the handle. I'm sure that there's some folks in this room you have flown off the handle. See, now that was... I didn't ask for that. <laughs> Gotten mad without even thinking about it. That's not an attribute of love. Love doesn't do that. Love... And you know What? Isn't Brother Josh a great guy? That makes him really uncomfortable. But, but Josh is a great guy. It's also possible for that same great guy to say something wrong, to do something wrong, to make a mistake, to to just make an error in texting and not realize what he said and go on. There's the potential for every person in this room to do something accidentally to make somebody else mad. And if we are not full of love, we want to jump to the conclusion and be mad about it. Love is not easily provoked. And if you're not easily provoked, what's the counter to that? It is, I'm going to assume the best first. I'm going to assume something good in his benefit first. Maybe he didn't mean it that way. Maybe he didn't mean to say that. Maybe that message was meant for somebody else and I'm not misunderstood. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Love is not easily provoked. So if we are easily provoked, we need to check our Love level. <clears throat> love is, and this is probably my last point for tonight, love is not self-seeking. It doesn't have a me-first attitude. In fact, it has an others-first attitude. While I'm calling people out and embarrassing them, talking, about, talking good about them, I'll just tell you, I, 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 that that cute girl in the green in the back row on the right, she's wonderful. Uh, at the picnic yesterday or on Sunday, while while uh, while I was eating baked beans and 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 fellowshipping and. And having fun, and that's what most of us were doing. She was making sure the drinks were were filled, and she was making sure that everybody was taken care of. And oh, do you need me to carry your plate? I love her because she does not have a me-first attitude. She has an others-first attitude. But Philippians <laughs> says this. See now. I heard somebody say he's in trouble, not if point number six, not if she's not easily provoked. <laughs> we love this section of scripture in Philippians chapter two, verse number five starts this way. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation and took upon the, him the form of a servant. He goes on, he talks about uh, uh, that God has highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every tongue shall confess, every knee will bow. Uh, and we, we look at that section of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2 as a great doctrinal section where the Apostle Paul's teaching us about the Godhead and what is called the kenosis of Christ, how God became man. But that's really not his point. His point is not to make, a doctrinal, uh, to make a doctrinal point on the Godhead. If we just back up three verses, he's writing to the Philippians. He says, Fulfill ye my joy, and that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And then he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In other words, don't be so consumed about your stuff. You should be concerned about everybody else's life. Don't be so self-focused that you don't have the focus on other people. And then he says let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's not making a a doctrinal point or, or an observation about the Godhead. He's telling us as individuals to treat the church the same way Jesus treated the church. In other words, He was God manifested in the flesh. But, He loved the body so much that He took upon Himself the form of a servant. Where where it says that, uh, make sure I read this correctly, where it says that uh, He made Himself of no reputation. That comes from a Greek word, I'm sorry, I'm not a Greek scholar, Uh, but it's called the kenosis of Christ. He emptied Himself of all reputation. He came and dwelt among us as, as a man. He didn't exalt himself. In fact, Jesus' attitude was whenever twelve disciples walked into the room and every one of them passed by the pitcher of water and the towel, Jesus took the towel and girded himself with the towel. And he poured the water and he began to wash their feet because he was the servant of all. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We've got to, we need to have an attitude that we're willing to serve everybody else in the body before we serve ourselves. Let, let this mind... That was the mind he was talking about, where Jesus was a servant of... To everyone, and thought of himself last. You can stand. But this is the clearest definition of biblical love. And it's found in the primary scripture about love in the Bible. Most of you can quote it John 3. 16, for God so loved the world that He gave, because He loved the world, He gave of Himself. Because He loved the church, He gave of Himself. He was willing to die because He loved us. The supreme element of love is self sacrifice, the giving of oneself. If we have abounding love, then we're willing to sacrifice our lives, our ambitions, our pleasures, our desires, all of our intentions, our benefits. We're willing to sacrifice for others. That's biblical love. We close your eyes, we lift your hands right now, and I want you to begin to talk to the Lord. Father, Father, I want to abound in love. I want my life to be filled with the love of God. I want my church to be filled with the love of God. And I am giving You permission tonight, Father, to take Your Word that's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it pierces asunder the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of my heart. God, I'm asking you that you'll take your word and that you will begin to discern my heart. I I want you to discern my deficiencies. If I've got deficiencies of love, if I've got if I've got bitterness that I'm still hanging on to, if I have deficiencies, if, I am, if, I'm, if I'm flying off the handle and I shouldn't do that, if I'm not self-sacrificing, and if I don't have the attitude of a servant, I'm asking you, God, that you will let your Word do surgery on my heart and that your Spirit will come in and heal me and fill me with divine love. God, you're the source. I need your love in my life. I need You to fill me. Not just full, but I want to overflow with the love of God so that people know it's not me, but it's You that operates through me. I want an overabundance of Your love in my life.